Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay. And today we have with us American venture capitalist and professional coach who played a prominent part in the early development of Silicon Valley. Jerry Colonna is here with us. Jerry has been named one of the 100 most influential people of the new economy by Upside Magazine and made it onto the Forbes ASAPs list of the best VCs in the country and made it on the list of the 25 most generous young Americans. He's the host of the Reboot Podcast and is the author of Reboot, Leadership and the Art of Growing Up. I had the uh, honor of sitting down with uh, Jerry for an, about an hour and I had so many different angles of how to go about this conversation, having lists of what it means to start up and are there any new tech startups that he's excited about and what, how, how to look for a, a, a great partner in, in business and all these different business-like geared questions. And yet as, this, as, as we progress in the conversation, he just opened me up and I, I got vulnerable and opened up in, in many deep ways talking about my doubts and, doubts and fears. And literally you're, you're going to get a glimpse into how Jerry coaches. He literally coached me through this podcast episode. And I truly hope that through this conversation and through this coaching practice, you find something that you find of value and helps you in some sort of manner. I'd love to hear from you uh, in the comments or reach out to me on social media. And if you do find any value in this podcast episode, please go ahead and share it with your friends and family, rate the podcast your your support goes a long, long way. And I'm truly grateful for Jerry uh, to, for coming through on this podcast episode and, and sharing his wisdom and his experience with me today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast with Jerry Colonna. All right. Without further ado, we have Jerry on the podcast. Jerry, thank you so much for making the time to be here with me today. Well, thanks for having me, Meyer. It's a, it's really a delight to see you. Yeah. You got a big smile on. That's that's wonderful to see. Yeah. Well, I'm just a mirror, my friend. I'm just a mirror to you. So mm-hmm. it's, you you've really caused this today. I've been excited to come and speak to you, and and this is this this excitement has been bubbling since uh, the podcast in which I heard your name being dropped by two people who excite me and who I get inspired by. It was a Tim Ferriss podcast and he had Dan Harris on it. And, oh. and they were just schmoozing about you. And I'm like, who's this guy that these two gentlemen <laughs> are like excited about? I'm like, I got it. So I went on Instagram, I reached out to you and here we are. Wow. And you were so gracious with your time and saying yes to this. But that's, I mean, you're known as the CEO whisperer. You have this incredible way of being and you have your own history, which we're going to delve into when it comes to success around uh, venture capitalists mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, investing in, in really incredible companies. And you pivoted and now you're, you're doing a whole lot of coaching for, for entrepreneurs and CEOs. But just tell me, how, what, what's your relationship like with uh, Tim and Dan? How, what kind of an impact did you have in their lives, if you don't mind me asking? Because it's really impacted me by having this conversation with you now. Well, uh, they, uh, since they both outed themselves in one way or another, they, they were both at different points in their lives and different points in my lives, clients of mine. And uh, I think that they would be better to, able to answer the question, what impact I've had on their lives. What I can share is the impact that they've had on my life which um, uh, I consider them, one of the great good fortunes of being a coach um, is that 
you get to, as I often say, hold people's hearts in your hands as if they're a precious little bird. And um, to be with people like that, who are thoughtful and caring and curious about the world and committed to their own development, which is really the key, um, is an honor and privilege. And so I grow each time I'm in conversation with a client and each time I spend um, you know, a bit of time with somebody shoulder to shoulder as they're in their own development. And those two uh, lovely people uh, have amazing hearts, which they sometimes don't always show. And uh, um, it's a delight that they were connected and I, I didn't even know they were connecting. And so it was kind of fun to hear that as well. Yeah, of course. You have a really beautiful way of of infusing coaching with mindfulness and, and helping people to unblock themselves. Um, and where do you pull this information from? Like, where do you, where do you have from your own experience said, Hey, you know what, this is something that I had trouble with, or this is something that I, um, came up against. And now by conquering that, I want to help other people do the same. So there's a lot in that question. So I'll take a few seconds to unpack it a little bit. Um, uh, I consider myself a deep student. Um, and um, as you know, and I've been very open about <clears throat> 20 years ago in my 30s, uh, in my late 30s, I would really sort of hit some existential walls in my life. Um, and struggled mightily with depression. I was in psychoanalysis at the time. I had been there for about seven years, um, but was um, very deft at avoiding any real issues. <laughs> very clever. Yeah. And um, the consequence was that um, I, I, I really wasn't addressing the core wounds of my life. And um, as is often the case for people, when things fall apart, um, that's usually an indicator of one or two things is going to happen. You either fall even further, and tragically, too many people do that, or you hit bottom existentially, and you begin to rebuild. Unfortunately, I did the latter, and it was in that period of time that I began um, expanding beyond, well, first of all, I began to stop lying to myself in therapy, which if you think about it, is probably the most absurd thing that one can do. How does that even <laughs> look like? What does, what does lying <laughs> in therapy actually look like? Uh, avoiding telling the truth, mm, truth. avoiding going to, to, to tough places. Uh, you know, um, it's, it, you know, in, in therapeutic terms, it's resistance. So I'm harsh right? It's, it's fear. It's shame. It's, it's, I don't want to talk about the things that I, but I'm here, but I'm in suffering. I would like the suffering to be alleviated without talking about the thing that makes me suffer, right? That's the paradox of the human condition. condition. So in addition to that work, um, through the good guidance of my sister, I discovered the work of the Buddhist nun Pema Chodron, and I fell down that rabbit hole. 
and I'm still falling down that rabbit hole, even as we speak. And so um, for me, I'm at the point now, 20 years later, where it infuses everything that I do. So of course it infuses everything I am as a coach. Um, I don't sit down when I'm about to do a session and say, let's do mindfulness, right? It's just, I try to apply the tools and techniques that, that from my own experience have worked. Not because I think they're universally correct, but because they worked and they might work for someone else. That's all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is interesting your, your approach and, in the sense, like I, there are a couple of quotes that I read from previous um, interviews that you had, one of which is a great leader, however, is one who is comfortable with who they, who they are and allows life to happen. And like, mm-hmm. it's just like this deeper way of being, instead of seeing a leader as someone who's confident, who is um, courageous, who's honest and respectful, it's like, no, let's peel back the layers and go back to the person themselves. And through some of the learnings of which I've, I've heard read about you is how you go to the sort of like, it feels like therapy. Like you go back to the essence of who they are. Like what happened to you as a child who didn't give you the love that you deserved or felt like you needed. And it, and what's so interesting about that is it, which begs me to ask the question is what's the difference between life coaching or Pacific, your life coaching than with therapy. Where is that line? Right. right. My clients call it charity. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the simplistic answer to your question, because it's a complicated question, but the simplistic answer to your question is that, uh, uh, through psychodynamic therapy, the therapist endeavors to create, this is going to be very nerdy, endeavors to create a, 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 a transferential relationship through which the the pathologies can be healed, okay? Whereas in coaching, what I do, what my clients do, what what my colleagues do, what I think good coaching does, transformational coaching does, is it uh, creates the conditions for people to ask themselves the core questions that enable transformation. What do I mean? Two often coaching uh, and coaches and perhaps some therapists uh, fall victim to the client's wish to just be told what to do. Just tell me what to do. Yeah. Just come in and tell me how to be a CEO. Just come in and tell me how to fire somebody. And it's so tempting to just tell somebody what to do. It makes you feel good, especially if you're right, and you may not be. And but worse, it can make the client feel even worse. It temporarily alleviates the anxiety that they have that they don't know what to do. But it sends a very, very clear signal, a message that says you don't know what to do. Now, a basic philosophical stance of coaching is that the client is whole w-h-o-l-e and that the purpose is not to heal psychological wounds which is what therapy does the purpose in coaching that presumes the client is whole is to unblock the client's ability to understand that they have the answer all along 
doesn't mean that getting to the answer or speaking the answer is easy. But one of the core belief systems that we all carry is that we're not good enough and we're not smart enough and we can't do it right. And when a leader leads from a place of that, what they can do is unconsciously, inadvertently use the organization to try to make themselves feel better. How? By making everybody else feel dumb, incompetent, infantilized. And so, you know, you asked a question about why I do this. There's a basic fundamental belief system I have, which is that better humans make better leaders. And so if you want to create better leadership in the world, and I do, then we have to start by making helping people be better humans. That's amazing. So what, when it comes to, like, there's a certain type of person who wants to be an entrepreneur, right? There are certain characters. Some people are okay with just <clears throat> working for somebody, having their routine, knowing what's coming the next day. Do you find a certain pattern when in the types of people who pursue entrepreneurship that they start hitting the same walls? And what are those walls and how do you overcome those? Or guide well, the, the, the first answer to your question is yes, there are definitely patterns of behavior that you see. And, and you're right that one of the character traits of those who pursue entrepreneurship is discomfort and dissatisfaction with things as they are. And, um, uh, and so there's a motivation to make things better in some capacity. Broadly speaking, and under that definition, many social impact entrepreneurs exist who, who found nonprofits who want to bring water to distant places or, you know, uh, so it's not everybody wants to be Elon Musk, but, but more often than not, they're motivated by a desire to cut their own way, to go their own path. Other patterns that we see include things like high achievers. Um, they all high achievers don't end up as entrepreneurs, but many high achievers end up as entrepreneurs. And what's a high achiever? A high achiever is someone who in school early on figures out how to get an A, even if they don't read the book, you're smiling. <laughs> you might, you might be, have been called out. Okay. And, and you figure out the system, you gain the system, you start to get, praise from external affirmation sources and that starts to feel really good and it starts to close some wounds that we have about whether or not we feel good enough or it starts to make those wounds feel a little bit better that's dangerous we could talk about that later but that's another trait and a third trait that we often see is what we call early promotion where for some reason or another, a caregiver or two disappear in the person's life. Uh, early death of a parent, a divorce, a separation of some sort. And the result is that the child starts to uh, act more and more like an adult early on. Um, and then what you see is that person rolls into 19, 20 years old, and there's a distance between them and their peers. And they all all of a sudden start to emerge kind of as a leader in some ways. 
So what you see in what I just described is there are some positive attributes of childhood and some wounding attributes of childhood that come together and oftentimes create the character trait that the characteristic we think of as an entrepreneur. Understood. When you, when you, through your own journey of, of creating your own destiny and, and stepping into entrepreneurship, were you able to find that, that place in your life that you, what place? the place in where, you know, looking back in your own, in your own life, in your own story, that sort of created this person that who you are today, that for better or for worse, help you survive those challenging times from childhood or from young adulthood to grow into the entrepreneur that you are today? Oh, absolutely. I think um, when my life started to fall apart, that was when I began to really try to understand who I was and how I came to be and really start to unpack uh, the threads. So here's a, here's a quick example of that. When I was about 10 years old, my father lost his job. And it was one of only two or three times in my life that I ever saw my father cry. And he came home just before Christmas and announced that there would be no Christmas. It was a shocking time. I then watched him struggle for the next few years as he went from union job to union job as a kind of replacement worker. He was in the international typographical union. He worked in the print shops. And uh, it, it always felt like he had lost some part of his dignity after that. He was always lost. So fast forward, what I came to understand was that um, in my early 20s, I got a really good job at a really good company that was growing very, very well. And I was given lots and lots of opportunities for promotion and early leadership. And I did well at the company. And yet I became uncomfortable. So uncomfortable that I had to leave and do something else. I helped start one venture firm, then I helped start another venture firm. And as I became more and more successful as a venture capitalist, among the many uncomfortable things that started to happen was I had that eerie sense that something bad was going to happen. And that goes back to my childhood. Because my father had worked at that same company since he was in high school. He took a break, went off to World War II, came back, and still worked at the same company. And that was the company that shut down. And the internalized message I got was, it doesn't matter how safe you think you are. It can all be taken away in a minute. So my adaptation was, can't be taken away if I'm the boss. So I have always felt most comfortable, responsible for my own success. Because even if I fail, it's on me. Nobody can take it away from me. Now that's been a positive experience, but it's been a negative experience too. It made me make some decisions that I might've regretted. And it made me make a lot of decisions that I have enjoyed. Wow, I think I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's that's huge. The um, you you were in the like you mentioned uh, like seeing those patterns. Like as I go through my own journey and and doing the work and 
um, I would say in self-development and growth, mindfulness, looking back at my own past, doing the therapy, um, working through my uh, addictive behaviors and seeing what's not serving me anymore. It's, it's quite interesting because some people might, may blow it off and say, what, Oh, wh- what is it that my parents did? You know, my parents were great or my childhood was great. And um, I think it's, it, there's, and you could perhaps, you know, give voice to this, that um, people have a hard time accepting their own story or they want to mm-hmm. perhaps fluff it around and say, everything is okay. There's no connection between my past. You know, I, I grew up in a home that was safe and the environment was safe. Um, how do you approach someone to, to bring that first awareness of some humility there around, perhaps like you're human. And there is something, if you're in your twenties, if you're an adult today, whether you see yourself as adult or not, you have something that's gone on in your life. And, uh, and in that blind spot, how do you bring someone to that blind spot to show like, Hey, like, look, look here. Yeah. So, so um, I, I've also seen the same pattern that you've identified and, and uh, I'll say this first. Um, the, the, what I just showed you when I told you the story about my father was an example of what I call radical self-inquiry, right? Now, the, the, the thing is, when you do that kind of self-inquiry process, the purpose is not to seek blame. See, this, this is where the, 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 the mindset, the resistant mindset that you're talking about starts to take hold. I love my parents. It's not their fault. Well, hold on. Nobody's saying it's somebody's fault. What we're really trying to do is unpack who are you and how were you um, formed? What were the choices that were made? Some of which were conscious, some of which were unconscious. So that you can get to this other state, which is being more conscious in how you choose to run your life, how you react. I always think of the Carl Jung quote, I am not what has happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Right? Now, you cannot be who you choose to become until you're conscious of what happened to you. Because as long as what happened to you remains unconscious, it will direct your life, as he said, and you will call it fate. Eh, It's just the way things happened, right? So it's the two pieces of that thinking that we're going for. We're not weaponizing the inquiry process. It's all my fault. It's all my parents' fault. It's this, it's Aunt Bertha's fault. No, 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 no. It's with understanding that growth comes. You know, as you're speaking and, and, and one thing that you've, you're really passionate about, which is how, you know, how do you, how to help people figure out what they want to be. Mm-hmm. I, 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 in myself starts to get, get a little uncomfortable and, and doing some of the research around this podcast and learning more about you. I felt this sense of anxiety bubble in because I find mm-hmm. myself in this space where I've been doing X, I've been doing a bunch of creating videos and building a social media um, presence and, and, and thank God having an ability to impact people in a positive way, which I'm passionate about. However, the way I want to go about it, I feel like has been shifting and changing as my voice changes as because I change and mature and grow up, hashtag mm-hmm. adulting, which has been mm-hmm. frightening for me to, to accept. Um, 
And so I'm in the crossroads of life and where I'm like, how do I want to go about moving forward? And how do I want to continue my message? What is my, what am I passionate about today? Yes, it's general, it's, it's, it's optimism. It's, 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 it's about being a more positive light into this world, but how do I want to go about this? Do I still want to pursue the actor, the childhood actor that I always wanted to be? Is, is it through mm-hmm. film? Is it through the nonprofit space? So, you know, your message and, and this process of, of figuring out one, how, what one is, wants to be uh, really stirs up and muddles the waters of tranquility and serenity. Um, and I think that's where the work is. And perhaps someone who's listening in, where, may, where they may find themselves is a place of success or a place in which they, it's become monotonous. Like they do the same thing time and time again. And it can be scary to, to pivot and change into something new because there's this small little thing ticking inside. You're like, mm, can I be happier or could I be more fulfilled? Is there more meaning to my life? Is there more potential in my life? But yet the safety of knowing how to operate in the space that you've been doing for so long is more comforting. So I suppose I'm asked, what I'm asking, where I'm going for on this tangent right now is, and this is selfishly for my own self, but perhaps others could find their own way. Here I am, 31, entering a new decade, perhaps someone who's 50s, in their 50s, or is going through some midlife mm-hmm. um, stage in their life. How, how, how does one decipher and, and listen to that still voice within to discover what it is that they want, what will truly bring them purpose and meaning into their life? And, and take execution on that. I'm smiling. <laughs> I can feel your discomfort. And I appreciate your bravery. Um, because I think you already know the answer. So you said that as you, as you, listen to my work as you explored it and you started to unpack for this episode, you started to feel increasing discomfort. And then you made the longer statement in the connection to that, um, that unpacking things can disrupt the sense of safety and comfort. And you pointed out that it's scary. I often joke that better humans make better leaders. And then I ask people if that's so obvious a statement, why is it that we have such difficult and poor leadership? Why do we have people who abuse power to make themselves narcissistically feel better? Why do we have repeated examples of toxic work and community environments? Why do we have spiritual leaders who take advantage of the brokenhearted who come to them for ministry. And the simple answer, simplistic answer, because it's a hard answer, is that the process of growing up is scary and hard. We don't want to do it. And the discomfort, Meyer, that you were just feeling is exactly that discomfort. I don't want to muddy the water. I don't want to interrupt the story that I've told myself that the situation was idyllic. I don't want to unpack things. I just want it to be different. Well, that's the bad news, right? 
The bad news is that change is hard. Transformation and growth require the ability to muddy, to allow the water to be muddied. You know, your image of the muddied water brings to mind a very, very important imagery in Buddhism, which is that the Buddha, uh, the historical Buddha is among his many, many names, is referred to as lotus born, born on a lotus. Why a lotus? Well, a lotus grows out of the muck and the muddy bottom of a pond. And then the, and the message of that is that the thing of beauty comes out of that muck. Um, so I'd ask you something. What makes this so uncomfortable for you? Well, what makes this so uncomfortable for me? And I've been, I'm not, I, I hear my ego wants to pop in and say, oh, I've been doing this for a while. It's not the first time I'm feeling this feeling. Uh, what it is, it's the unknown of where this leads. Or I feel like I've been in it for so long. I'm just sort of like, come on. Like I, there's a certain loop that's been transpiring where I feel like I make some progress, but I'm not in full power yet. And I know it's there. I know that there's always this, this is, there's a more potential, but the, cl- the clarity hasn't, hasn't sunk in yet. And there's, of course, there is some disappointment or there is some doubt of like, wait a second, I have such a good thing going on right now in my life. Why, why mess let, it up? Yeah, why let it go? Like go back, it, there's, you're sort of being, I'm being fed or being fulfilled in, in the ways that which I feel like I want to be fulfilled. So mm-hmm. why rock the boat? Just fall back into line, do those things, show up the way you've been showing up, give the people what they want and 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 do it and and you're doing a great job at it and it's bringing the light and love to the world so but yet but yet there's something that's you know is it self-sabotage you know how to or is it or is something more mm-hmm. and so there's there's like that distinction in which i'm trying to decipher between the two well uh all of those uh doubts and there's sort of i would say there's two kinds of doubts one is I don't know what's on the other end, what's on the other side of the question that might be being asked right now. And that's disconcerting and unnerving. So there's the unknown and the uncertain. And then there's the don't rock the boat. Don't shake things up. Keep your head down. You got a good thing going. Who wants happy? You're happy enough. What do you need more? That kind of voice. Does that resonate? Yeah, sure. Okay. So let's imagine, if you will, that both voices are two different people. And they want something really, really beautiful for you. What do they want you to feel? Those two voices, what do they want for you? Uh, Safety. To feel yeah, it's a safety voice, right? It's actually not a fulfillment voice. They want you to stay safe. And oftentimes the way that those voices can, can, can get expressed is stay small. 
You've clawed your way to this level of happiness. That's it. Stay right here. Don't try for more. In fact, if you do try for more, because I heard a little bit of this, that's just your ego talking. Right? So it'll pull you down even further. Because who are you to want happiness on a persistent basis? So we're going to time travel. Okay? We're going to go back in time. Let's imagine, not your parents, but your grandparents. And let's even imagine their parents. Where have we landed? What part of the world have we landed in? We're in Russia. In Russia. <laughs> Russia. At, at what, like the 20th century, early 20th yeah, 20, century? Yeah, yes, 100%. Tough life, rough. You know. Why tough life? Just, you know, not much money being persecu- persecuted as Jews, people, family members being sent to Siberia. Just pogroms. Pogroms, all that. Genocide. Let's hold that space. God rest your ancestors. God bless them. They're there. They live on in us. And the fear is, stay small. The Cossacks are coming. Go hide in the back. Go out to the barn. Stay behind the stack of hay. You have a cow. Cow gives milk. You have vegetables. You have enough. Do you hear the voices? They're terrified. Those ancestors were terrified and had every reason to be. And the thing is, we grow up in environments where the words of our ancestors get whispered to us, sometimes literally. Let me tell you what happened to your grandmother. But more often than not, inside little glances, back and forth. And then here we are, full-grown, 31-year-old man, trying to make his way in the world in L.A. Can I be an actor? A long way away from Siberia. A long way away from the Russia of the early 20th century. Stay small, but, but. So let's do a little reframing. I want you to pick one of those ancestors. Maybe it was your mother's father's mother. Can you, can you imagine what she looked like? Sure, oh yeah, totally. Chances are pretty good that her dress was black. <laughs> As <laughs> you know. They are all dressed like that, even in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> and she's looking down on her little bubble. What does she want for him? 
to get married already. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it so long. Come on, give me the great, 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 great So she would want you safe. Yes. But safe. she would also want you happy. Totally. Right now, in her worldview, married with a bunch of kids will make you happy. Right? Okay. But really what she wants is for you to be safe so that you could be happy. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we say to great grandma, thank you for loving me. Thank you for worrying about me staying safe. But I'm not there. I'm here right now. And I am safe. So I'm going to do the things that let me be fulfilled in a way that you were not because of persecution. And perhaps the best way I can honor your sacrifice is to be the full actualized human that destiny called for. You know, um, I was raised in the Catholic tradition and, and, and I still feel connected both to that tradition, but also to the Buddhist tradition. So I'm going to invoke God. It's hard for me to conceive of a God who endeavors to create the world only so parts of that creation can feel sadness and pain. And that the way to live into the fullness of our life is to be happy. You know, you said before that optimism is your purpose. Wonderful. To what end? Why is optimism so important for you? For Maya? I even wrote a book about it for children. Um, Why is it so important? Why is it so important? It just, to, because it it brings hope and possibility. I know what (laughs) it's like to not be. I know if you've had experienced depression, I myself have, I've, I sense I'm very sensitive human being. I sense a lot of pain in others. And so I, I enjoy and I've been gifted the ability to bring joy to others and, and happiness. And so there's so much, there's so much power of knowing that you're not alone. And, and being that I grew up in that, in that false belief that I was in my mm-hmm. earlier life or teens and whatnot, then and coming through it, it's important for me to let people know that it gets better. You, you, you felt some resonance, I think, with uh, the story of my struggles with depression. Is that correct? Sure. I connected with that. What is it that you felt? What did you feel when you knew that someone that, say, Tim and Dan worked with struggled with depression? What, what did that do for you? It, made, it normalized it. It was like, oh, well, here's, here's Jerry, a, a very influential, successful, and in, in a worldly terms type of man, and also beyond 
when it comes to self and being. Um, and as part of it, it's part of his journey. Um, so it sort of normalized it and made it okay. So my embrace of my uh, struggle made your struggle marginally easier. Sure, 100%. When you lean into your purpose of optimism... my challenge to you would be to take along and embrace the difficulties. Because in doing so, you will normalize for someone else and make their suffering easier to bear. Certainly. Right? It's the embrace of the full catastrophe of being a human being that makes the experience of being a human being easier. It's understanding that you have ancestors who struggled, whose struggle lives on within you, that enables you to reach deep down and bring out that smile as a way to honor their pain, not to ignore their pain, but to honor who they were and the resilience that they showed to live on. And all of this sort of, and here we are, because I mean, it's so interesting. We've spent most of this time talking about like this, the healing of self and, and growth mm-hmm. and like a lot of the conversations I've seen online about you and, and, the conversation, and the questions I've had lined up for you were more around business. How do you choose a great partner? You know, we had some really great ones. How do you, you know, what's, when's it okay for a, an entrepreneur to throw in the towel, as I call giving up? Like I have all these other questions, but yet this is perhaps, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but your coaching is like you building, build the person up get to that core and then they could face those fears. You know, I, I do have a startup and I have these fears around taking on more capital of our investors. And so, so let's go yeah. there. So you know, I've so- connected you to, I've connected you to the ancestral ground of your own strengths. Okay. Now you're afraid about your startup. Okay. So let's turn around and look that fear right in its face. What is the worst thing that you imagine will happen what's going to happen oh four letter fail 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 and And then what reputation is gone people's money invested humiliated penniless broke what else i get yeah embarrassed i mean maybe it's another embarrassed embarrassed. thrust from the tribe Kicked out, no longer a member of, right? You hear it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right? Why would, why would that fear be so strong in the grandson or the great-grandson? People who survived programs or, or even if they didn't survive them. Why would that be so strong? Do you think that perhaps great-grandparents lost everything? Do you think that perhaps they felt the sting of being 
othered, thrust out? Okay. Yeah. It Go kind ahead. Of, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, the it, it it's that core belief and it's those core fears that have been passed through and and sort of passed on that one could operate from, right? You could, you could operate from a place of, I guess, confidence or belief in self and the possibility or, or fear-based, which of course you're just self-prophesizing failure if you don't. Beautiful. Now let's bring you back. Time travel machine, time machine brings you back to the present day. You've got a business partner. You're trying to decide who the business partner is. Imagine you have all of these fears that are core beliefs that are in your DNA and you start to make decisions. Well, you can't spend money. You spend money, we're going to fail. There's one fight. (laughs) You're not working hard enough. We're not going to raise enough money. There's another fight. You hear how the toxic behavior starts to unfold? Yeah. And what's really crazy, Meyer, is the number one reason startups fail is co-founder conflict. And the number one reason for co-founder conflict are those core beliefs. You're not the person you're supposed to be, blah, 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 blah. When all of this fighting starts to happen. And then you fail. And that could be copy-pasted to a relationship with your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend. <laughs> well done, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Copy and paste it throughout and, your life. <laughs> tremendous, tremendous. So, Wow. So it's to tie it all together. Those who really delve into the work and, and see those patterns can be successful in life. And that's not just one part of life, right? Life is made up of the personal, the business, the relationships, relationships that you better have. Better humans not yeah. only make better leaders, but they make better humans. That's a joke. They make better entrepreneurs. They make better partners. They make better parents, Right. See, if we're all commit to the process of growing up and unpacking these things, then the load gets lightened for everybody. What if we had presidents of the United States who had this level of self-insight? Yeah, I'm not going to run because I'm only running to make myself feel better because my father used to smack me in the head and tell me what a dope I am. Right? Mm we might actually be led better. With a few minutes left on the clock with you, Jerry, by gosh, mm. we, need a, we need a second episode. And uh, <laughs> there, I, I did want you to just share with, with the listeners here. You do have this incredible reboot.ico, which is the- um, .io. Oh, .io, I'm sorry. That is mm-hmm. a, uh, a, a coaching company for individuals mm-hmm. and companies. And, and I'd love for you to just give some voice to that, as well as you have an incredible book. Title. I do have an incredible book. Yeah, reboot <laughs> leadership and the art of growing up. If you wanted to share quickly, it may appoint it to you from that book and what people could expect from well, everything that. that we've talked about today is actually really spoken to in the book in a lot of ways. Um, uh, and the company itself is really uh, focused on that proposition that better humans make better leaders. And so everything we do is really geared around unlocking that potential within people. Um, we've got 20 coaches. We do a bunch of work. There's a bunch of stuff that we do for free that, uh, free resources that are available. We, you were talking about co-founders. 
We actually have a free course uh, on managing co-founder conflict. We just launched a course on listening skills, which are essential skills for leadership. So just uh, head over to reboot.io and you know, you'll fall down that rabbit hole. <laughs> what a rabbit hole that could be. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. Well, Jerry, can I ask you, this is the Great Day Podcast. So what is a great day for you? A great day for me is when I can uh, have deep, meaningful conversation and connection, especially with strangers whom I didn't even know uh, an hour before, like you. Mm, that landed. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> what a guy. Stay blessed, my friend. Thank you so much for uh, coaching me today and, and perhaps listening and the coaching of others who are listening to this podcast. I, I wish you lots of success in your endeavors. I do look forward to the opportunity to, to give you a good old hug in the real world. Um, you got it. Once friend. this world heals a bit more. So I look forward to that. You got thank it. Be well. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode with Jerry Colonna. And thank you, Jerry, for showing up and sharing what you did with me today. It truly helped me in tremendous ways. And I hope those who tuned in, yes, you gained something as well. And if you did, please share it with your friends and family and rate the podcast. Your support goes a long way and enables me to continue to creating new podcast episodes, sharing inspiration and motivation with you all. And every Monday, a new podcast episode is launched and shared wherever podcasts can be found. So do be sure to hit those notifications. Know that there is new episodes coming your way every Monday. And so until next time, like I always say, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor Kay, and have a great day.